Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation. I'm tired today, Jess. <laughs> join, I'm tired. The, join the club. It's a, it is the end of the school year that we're recording this, <sighs> and I am just, it, there's a lot going on, and uh, I don't think we're the only people feeling it. But uh, welcome to Goodwill Talk. Thanks for being here. This is Pastor Marcos. Jess Kilduff is our co-host for today. Jeff is over there playing with the machines to make sure that he's we sound like... He's pressing all the buttons. He's pressing all the buttons. Uh, you don't want me pressing the buttons. Remember? You remember there was an episode where I did? <laughs> I remember it not going well. Uh, yeah. There I remember was a, Jeff being like, what did you guys do? We literally <laughs> like, lost I don't know. half the episode we because I was the, the guy. Button. Remember that? I was, I was not feeling well. I had just gotten some medication that had not made me feel... All that 100%. <laughs> and um, Jeff couldn't be here for some reason. So I was sitting in his chair trying to, you know, do the job of running the podcast while pressing the buttons. And it, it was a, well. it was an absolute unmitigated disaster. <laughs> I don't even know how you salvaged. No, you salvaged like half the episode. Yeah. And then I think you came on at the end and we were like, well, so we lost the end of the episode, but that was a good place to stop. Yeah. It was, I don't remember exactly what happened. But it, it was really bad news. We're glad you're here. That's it, all we know. It, it emphasizes our need for one another in the body of Christ. <laughs> Because um, 100%. this, here's the thing, uh, we had an idea for a podcast um, and then we roped you into it somehow, Jess. I don't even know how that happened. And then we said, hey, this is a great idea. We don't have <laughs> any of the expertise to actually pull this off. And that is how Jeff got roped into it. And uh, yeah, because you don't want me running the board today. I would, I would hit the wrong drop at the wrong time. Uh, I don't even know if your microphone would be on right now, Jess. That's, and that I probably would be, wouldn't that even That would notice. be fine, too. You'd just probably be talking to notice. yourself. Yeah, just be talking to myself. <laughs> and I recorded an episode of Daily, because I so I record the dailies myself. Uh-huh. Um, and Jeff calls me and says, hey, um, how did you record the Daily today? I was like, in the same way. I had my headphones on and the microphone and all that. He's like, yeah, you didn't have the microphone plugged into your computer. You went straight into your laptop. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry about no, that. His, uh, his, I didn't his have a laptop mic was that was the one that was recording. Record, yeah, so he he probably had his microphone plugged in and stuff, but it sounded like wow, 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 wow. I had this <laughs> state of the art <laughs> microphone in front of me, and you were and using this little your laptop computer. over on the other side of the table, and that's how they heard it. That's how they heard the daily. I'm just I'm oh, a you record with the laptop away from you. No, it's it's back a little oh, bit, okay. but like not. I'm not on it like right, I'm on a regular right, right. mic. Yeah, so it was just he he probably saw the input of the mic of something recording on screen and was like it's good you know, enough. It, hap it happens. Yeah. That's what I thought was I, I it thought happens. it looked a little weird, but I didn't I don't know. <laughs> it was clipping more than normal and it was a mess, but well, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. How am I supposed to Anyway, all this to we say. Ran it. We, we appreciate ran it. Jeff. Jeff, thanks for being <laughs> thanks. here, man. Appreciate you doing this. Thank we you. don't shout you out very often on the show. No, you deserve not nearly a little as more much love. as we should. Right. Yeah, so thanks. Thank you. All right, let's get to work. <laughs> Jess, today you've got a question for me that is um, the natural next step, but it's it comes from an actual situation that you experienced with one of your little ones. So give us the story and then ask the question. Okay. So we're sitting in church. It's Communion Sunday. And from my child's perspective, this is not me talking, 
my child, the snack is being passed. Why can't I have the crackers and the juice? Like, why is everyone else getting snack? And I mean, like, they were quite loud about this at the time. They were little, um, probably like toddlerish. Oh, so you got about I four mean, or five rows of people who were listening. We've to this talked about this obviously a lot since then. Yeah. But at the time, they were like really mad that snack was being passed out and that they didn't get snack. Mommy wouldn't let them have yeah. snack. And like, why can't I have a juice? So. <laughs> Did you explain that the juice does not taste all that great and they're not really missing out on anything? I didn't. Well, this is back when we were using real grape juice. So, I mean, it oh, really would have been more enjoyable. Communion. Yes, this was right. pre-lunchable pre communion. Right. Hopefully, the, when those are uh, used up, I really we'll don't go back. Him. Can I just... All right. We'll, we'll get back um, to the yeah. actual question in a second. But let's talk about lunchable communion. Um, <laughs> we call it that because it's packaged. If you ever had a lunchable... It doesn't taste all that great in it's packaged, right? right? It's like pre-packaged, pre right. quote-unquote, food. But here's the thing, and we're going to get into this when we talk about the question that you have. Yeah. It is about the elements. It is not about the flavor of the elements. Yeah. And we've already taken a massive departure by using juice instead of wine. Right. And um, it is not about packaging. It is not about if you take it from a common cup, which gross um, <laughs> yuck yeah uh it's it's not about common cup it's not about it being a particular kind of bread it's it is about what is happening during the sacrament and so i personally don't mind it because it's um the distribution is easier and i don't mind that distribution is easier um, as long as we then as pastors create time for reflection and prayer and stuff like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's what I don't necessarily love about the Lunchable is kind of like communion is over very quickly. Mm. And so you are kind of miss that like pause okay. and, and kind of sit in the moment for a few moments. I don't know. You know, this is different pastors have different ways of doing this. Um, and so I, I can't speak to how I, I've actually not sat under the other pastors doing communion because normally I'm yeah, somewhere right. doing you're somewhere, communion. You're somewhere else doing um, the same thing. And, and we do it weekly. We can talk about why um, in Beacon we do it weekly. I slow it way down. Like yeah. we we take our time through it. And we'll explain why in a minute. But get, all right, let's get back to the question. That's So Lunchable Communion, I don't know if that ever is going to go away. It just might not. People might just need to. That's okay. I will. I did The first time that we ever had the Lunchable Communion, um, it, the tops make a like very distinct popping noise. when yeah. every, And so uh, I happened to be playing piano or singing that weekend did the right by the mic and so oh no no i didn't oh. do it but like you're when you're standing up there um and you're just kind of listening and all of a sudden you heard just like and like it was kind of nice to like hear everybody yeah. doing that together hey, it, adds, it was it, adds it was some, just a, something so i was like all right so if if you're well in, you in know, the congregation the next time it's lunchable time and i mean so pastor tim's not here i i i have made fun of him to his face about this though. So I feel like I can do it on the air without him here. <laughs> um, there was a service. I want to say it was Ash Wednesday, 21, um, where he did communion for us. Uh -huh. The communion lunchables can be a real challenge <laughs> to be able to peel the top off to get to the, to the bread. Oh yes. Without, because it's, that, it's, it's very thin. It's film. very thin. Yeah. Now what you have to do, and I had, I learned this about a year after using them, you press the flap down and it breaks the two seals apart yeah. so that you're able to then just peel the top. Um, he did not do that. And so we all <laughs> at Ash Wednesday service in 2021 got to sit there for about three minutes. Watch him struggle to open it. While he fought with this little thing. And to this day, 
he has despised <laughs> those little Lunchables because <laughs> there is a trick to getting into them, but he didn't use the trick. He didn't use the trick. And there was no way in. There was It was like Fort Knox, man. He could not get to those. He finally, he finally, I think, mimed it. And wasn't it worth the effort? I mean, for my memory, there. for my memory and the, the joy and hilarity that that brings to me every time I think about it, I laugh a little bit. So, yes, it was worth watching that. Um, <laughs> but all right. So so why can't I have the snack? Is that, that was the, the question? question? That was the question. And, you know, like in the moment, you're like, it's not snack. We'll talk about it later. And so I, I, we did talk about it later. We have talked about it a lot later, but it's a little bit of the now my kids are older. Yeah. And we've talked about it enough that they don't ask anymore. Um, I always offer it to not both because I don't think both are ready yet. Okay. But I also I always offer it to one. And she, on occasion, will take it, mm -hmm. but more frequently won't, which I appreciate the fact that she, I, I feel like, has an understanding of, like, why we take communion and maybe that she's not there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't know, just having okay. the conversations with the kids. Well, let's let's go with the first question because it's it's interesting. We just talked about baptism last week, and we, we made the case that this is for... Um, everyone within the covenant community, including our infants, right? right? Um, there is, now, people should know within the Reformed tradition, there's a fight over this because within the Reformed tradition, there's a fight about everything. Um, <laughs> there are a handful of people oh, who do infant communion. Who do infant communion. It's called mm -hmm. pedo communion. Um, you can't be in our denomination and do that. Um, that fight has happened um, at, at Presbyterian and GA levels. There are people who tried to take the exception and say, no, we believe that infants can also partake of um, the sacrament of communion. And that's been ruled against in our denomination. Infants receive the sign and seal of baptism, but they do not receive the sign and seal of the Lord's Supper. Um, and there is a very specific reason why. So um, why can't I have the snack? Well... It's not a snack. The first indication <laughs> you shouldn't partake is that it's not a snack. Exactly. If you're calling it a snack, you probably aren't ready to take it. Right. And and it's because there is a um there is a declaration that the believer makes in the taking of the Lord's Supper that the believer is not taking in baptism. All right. So we talked about what is baptism. Baptism is a is a sign and seal of God's faithfulness to his people from generation to generation, right? When you look at the words of institution and communion, so, sorry, let me finish that thought. So in baptism, you're not saying anything. You're not. Right. God is saying something. In the Lord's Supper, it's a two-way conversation. It is God who is giving you grace through the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But also, according to 1 Corinthians 11, we are declaring something. Um, verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 11, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there is a difference between the two sacraments. We receive both. We participate in the Lord's Supper in a different way than we participate in baptism because we are proclaiming the Lord's death. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand 
that the sacrament is a proclamation of the Lord's death when you participate in it, you shouldn't participate in it. It is a there is a cognitive understanding element to who gets to take the Lord's Supper and who doesn't. You have to understand what you're saying when you do it. Not only is the Lord giving you a sustaining grace that grows you in your sanctification and builds your faith and helps you through the week or the month, but you're also declaring, Jesus died for my sins. That is a part of the, the partaking of it. And, and it is repeated because there's no resurrection sign attached to the Lord's Supper. In um, baptism, there is, right? So you're, you die and rise. That's the picture. Right. That's sign that that's the sign and the seal. The sign and seal of the Lord's Supper is purely a death sign until the resurrection. Until the resurrection, we will. Um, it, it is a foretaste of um, the great marriage supper of the Lamb when we will eat together with the risen Christ in the new heavens and new earth. This is kind of just whetting our appetite for that moment. It is proclaiming the Lord's death. Until he comes. So resurrection sign, the part of the resur- the resurrection part of this sign and seal happens at the general resurrection of all people mm-hmm. and the bringing of believers into the new heavens and new earth. So like there's, that's a lot of theology. Here's how I would answer this to a kid. If somebody says, why can't I have, even if they don't call it a snack, even as it. Right. Because as they've got older, right. they understand it's not a snack. Why can't I have communion? I would answer the question with a question. What do you believe communion means? And if they are able to declare, this is about Christ's death for my sins, then they should be able to receive the sacrament. Now, I am assuming they've been baptized. Um, In our polity, you have to be baptized before you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Um, But let's just assume they are baptized. Yeah. Um, Then they can partake. If they confess Jesus died for my sins, okay, that's what you're saying in this sacrament. You can partake. If they can't articulate that, if they don't know what Jesus did for them on the cross, if they don't know who the Jesus is that died for their sins, like there's, there is cognitive understanding that must be there for you to be able to partake in this particular sacrament. And that, that makes it different than baptism um, because the scriptures draw a distinction between the two. There is a remembrance that takes place in the Lord's Supper um, that actually connects us with the Old Testament, the way that the Passover feast, which is where the Lord's Supper comes from, was a remembrance of God's deliverance from Egypt through the Exodus and into the Promised Land, right? Um, This is our remembrance of the deliverance we have through the blood of Christ into being new creatures. So, like, there's just a... The kid's got to know what he's doing before they can partake in in the sacrament. I don't know if that answers the question yeah I th- or just no. opens up a ton more no i think i think that was good and that's you know kind of around about the conversations that we've had but i do like we're kind of coming into ages where they'll probably start at some point in the next couple of years hopefully but you know the conversation that we had when they were three yeah is different than the conversations that we're having at 10 yeah but we're always still having the conversations well and 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 you know, because you you your children become a part of the covenant through infant baptism, um, when they can start partaking, really is this is where parents being involved in the spiritual health and and growth of their children, parents are able to be able to discern: is my child a believer or not? Can they at least make the declaration in their three four year old way? Right. 
there is no age where you can't as long as you can make the declaration. So this little four-year-old is able to say with a four-year-old's faith, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. The table is yours. Right. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus. This is a, it is um, the way a, a former colleague of mine put it, is the feast of God for the people of God. So if the people of God are the ones who get to partake in this. If you're not part of the people of God, it's not for you. Um, and it's based on your faith, not based on birth, the way that baptism is. It's mm-hmm. a difference between circumcision and Passover. There's a difference between infant baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, and then we repeat it. You don't have to repeat baptism. So why do you do it weekly? You don't have to. You can't. You yeah. shouldn't repeat your baptism. Right. So you don't repeat your baptism because um, raised. You're ra- you raised one time. You don't have to repeatedly be raised. You don't have to repeatedly be saved. You don't have to repeatedly be justified. That happens one time. Right. Baptism is a sign and seal of your ingrafting into the invisible church. Right. Um, now. No. The visible. No. Church. Sorry. The visible church. The visible church is the people of God on earth now, right? Right. Faith is what engrafts you into the invisible church. Thank you for the correction there. Yeah. Um, I knew what you meant. That's all believers, true believers on earth and in heaven, right? Um, the Lord's Supper is for the invisible church. And if you are a part of the visible church, but not a believer, we ask you to not partake. Mm-hmm. Now, how we fence that table, that's the technical language. Right. That varies pastor to pastor. There are some who very, 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 like back in the day, Presbyterians, what we used to do is we used to visit your house. The pastors would. Mm-hmm. Pastor would visit your house and we would interview you every month. We would check on your home. We would make sure that we see the fruits of, of faith. And then you would receive a token. And when you came to the table, you would turn in your token and you would receive in return the sacrament. Wow. Um, that was how we used to fence the table back in the day. That's how Presbyterians used to do it. We took it very, very seriously. If you um, were not actively following Christ, even if you confessed him, you did not get the sacrament. Then a guy named Bruce, that's his last name, <laughs> last name Bruce, Bruce, Scottish guy, of course, shows up and says, I don't know that that makes sense because it is a means of grace. Believers need grace. Mm-hmm. And you don't come to the table perfectly. You come imperfectly. And so if you are a sinner who recognizes their need for grace, the table is for you. And he lowered the fence back in like the 1700s, 1600s, something like that. Um, I ascribe to that. You are to confess your sin before the Lord. And if you confess your sin before the Lord, you need grace. And you need grace to sustain you. Um, I believe we need a lot of grace to sustain us. Um, okay. And so... Um, so much So grace. much grace. Um, and so, in our tradition, we require the regular observation of the sacrament. It must be regularly offered. How do you define regularly? Right. right? Um, that is where pastors, even at Goodwill Church, have different approaches. Right. And one is not better than the other. Right. It is faithful pastors trying to faithfully execute using wisdom and what is good for the worshiping body, mm-hmm. how often should this be be done? In two of our locations, in Beacon and in New Paltz, oh, three, sorry, Beacon, New Paltz, and Lizzie Pullman Chapel, we offer weekly communion. This was John Calvin's view. Um, in Montgomery and in Port Jervis, we offer monthly communion. That is the majority view. 
So for those who who think that, oh, well, it should be done like Beacon and New Paltz and, and uh, Lindsay Pullman Chapel. Then go to one of those. We're in the minority on this. The majority of Presbyterian ministers would say monthly is the right um, way to approach this. Well, even if you look historically at our church when we did the... I don't know what we called the episode, but something about church history. Yeah. And in the book, they had very specific when um, there was questions that you should be reflecting on at times of communion, but it also had how frequently, and I think it was only quarterly that communion was given then. And it was, it was because farms and, you know, there was not like a community bulletin board or to say that it's communion. So people would know that like, even if we can't always make it to church, because it's a very, very far drive, we'll we'll, we'll make sure that we get there for that service. It yeah. was to hold it up at such a high level that nobody would miss it. Right. right. That's come down from quarterly to monthly at two of our locations. And then we brought it down even further um, in three of our locations to do weekly. And that's just a, it is so that people have a regular access to the sacrament. It's an opportunity to confess, to receive grace, to move forward. Um, we do that regularly in Montgomery and in Port Jervis monthly in Beacon, New Paltz and Lindsay Pullman weekly. Um, this is particularly, if you are a former Catholic, you're used to getting a weekly. Right. And so there's a little bit of an easier on-ramp for former Catholics if they're doing it weekly. Um, and then there are in, in some reform traditions, you do it weekly because John Calvin said to do it weekly, even though, (laughs) and this is important. He never did. No, he fought for it and lost and did it monthly in Geneva. He didn't have weekly communion. He wanted it and didn't get it. And lived with it. If John Calvin... Because he was under the authority of other people. Right. If John Calvin can agree to disagree on how often we predict, (laughs) then I think the rest of us are okay. Um, Now, here's the other thing I would say um, about the Lord's Supper that I would love... This is a bit of a shifting of how we understand what's taking place at the Lord's Supper um, and our interpretation of 1 Corinthians 11. All right. Here's another minority view. From Pastor Marcos. All right. Just people can just live with that. Majority view on baptism, minority view on the Lord's Supper. Um, this is the command that, that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 11. He's actually not commending them, but chastising them for the way they've been partaking of the Lord's Supper in the church in Corinth. Um, there's factions, people aren't eating together. And then verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. He says, you say you're doing it, but you're not. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. They used wine. What? Do you not have houses to eat, houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Here's the situation. Um... People who had to work for a living weren't able to get to church as early as people who didn't, who were rich, who were wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, church was normally held in the evenings in the first century. Um, so people would show up early and they'd start eating because it was a love feast that it was around communion. They'd have a full meal together as a church. They'd eat and there was wine because everybody drank wine in the first century. Well, and um, <laughs> Because there was no pasteurization yet. Well, yeah. So you're not, you know... The, you're not having grape juice, you're having wine. Right. Um, and so they would um, sit around and they'd eat the meal and they would drink the wine and then people who had to work for a living would show up and there would be none left. And Paul's going, wait a second. 
You're saying you're taking the Lord's Supper, but the poor among you can't get access to the element because you've drunk all the wine and you've eaten the love feast. So all these people who worked all day are showing up hungry and all they get is a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine that's left over because y'all have not done this appropriately. The, the communion was a part of a larger feast in the first century. And so he says, for I received from the Lord what I also received delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread. This is in response to the way they're doing the love feast. Mm -hmm. And then he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a sacrament. This is what we're doing when we're getting together, right? Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. What does it mean to eat and drink in an unworthy manner? He's already told us to eat and drink in a way that disregards the needs of the poor. It's very different than how we tend to think of it because we don't do a love feast, right? Mm -hmm. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body, not your own body, but the body of Christ, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we've judged ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, right? So there's some pain here in the way people are getting sick and doing this wrong. We are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Communion is inherently communal. It's in the word. The right. Lord's Supper is a together expression of the body of Christ. You can't do it by yourself. This is a real issue for us in COVID. We had to try and figure out a way to do the Lord's Supper socially distanced from one another in each other's homes during lockdown. But together. But together. Now, there are a lot of EPC churches who said, you can't. Mm -hmm. We can't. It's inherently communal. We can't partake. At Goodwill, we said, well, we think we can um, through live streaming. But it was only through the live stream that we were asking people to do because we were doing it together. If you're watching on Tuesday afternoon, right. I don't know that we outright discouraged participating, but it's like, I'm not sure. We know right. that right now. Um, yeah, I heard of co small congregations that you know have like 50 people in them yeah. that the elders were taking... Yeah. communion and going around Sunday morning and delivering it to everybody's yeah. houses yeah. so that they could all take during the live stream right. together. Right. And that there's something really beautiful in that. Yeah. And um, so I, I think what I'm getting at here is when we talk about examining ourselves, we tend to turn that into an individual experience, me and the Lord. I need to examine my personal standing before Jesus and decide whether or not I should partake in the sacrament. Here's the bad news. If you honestly take stock of your own heart, you'll never come forward. You're a sinner, man. Mm -hmm. Like you're a full-blown sinner. All of us are. Yet sinners are invited to the table in their sin to be reminded of the grace that we received when our sin was also stripped away at the cross, right? So there's this double existence for us. We're freed from sin completely. That's the cross, we live in a world of sin and commit sin still. That's the world we live in. There's this double reality of the Christian experience. And so when we examine ourselves, we know we're sinners. 
which is why we have to come to the table. The exception here is if we're not coming to the table together, if there's partiality, if there's a disregard for the poor, if there's a disregard for entire people groups, we shouldn't come. That's what 1 Corinthians 11 is getting at. And so what I want to guard us from in bringing this up is don't feel like you have to have it together to come to the table. The, the examining yourself to see if you are in sin, you are you're that that's just reality we're sinners it's not whether or not you're in sin right it's your acknowledgement that you are yes that's why confession precedes this we confess together and then we go to the table there is a moment to say so when we do again there's words of institution that are different in every location here at goodwill so i'm just going to speak for myself here um i I ask people to remember why jesus died for them the cost what is the cost of your salvation is the broken body of christ pause pray partake get to the cup now confess your sins to the lord again and receive the grace that he offers you here i say that every single time because confession is a part of doing this of the remembering of what jesus did for us we all do that we all confess together it's communal and and i i i think that out of a good heart out of a good heart mm-hmm. People recognize their sin and feel like they're not worthy to come to the table and rob themselves of the very grace they need to be able to grow in their faith because they've believed that if I examine myself and I find sin there, I can't come forward. I don't know how we would examine ourselves and not find sin there until we're in glory and resurrected bodies and sin nature is gone. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, what First Corinthians 11 is talking about is not necessarily me looking inward at myself, but it is actually what is, is the body together? Are we together? Which is why he ends the instructions with, when you do this, wait and do it together. Right. If you really need to eat and you've been waiting for the love feast, do me a favor, eat something at home and then come and wait, then partake, then have the love feast, right? It's like, this is the first century version of the potluck right? That would be a part of every Lord's Supper. You'd come in, you would do the sacrament together, and then you would eat. So just wait. If you're too hungry to wait, eat at home and then come. Right. Stop at Duncan (laughs) on the way. Have your snack and then partake in the sacrament. And then we eat together as brothers and sisters in Christ. It was this really cool thing. I I was, um, when I was still in Arizona, however many years ago, um, we did this once where I was like, listen, this is the way it was done. Let's do that. We don't have to do it every time, but what if we just did it once? Mm-hmm. We partook of the sacrament, and then we ate together. And it was really cool. It was a fun way of, of um, experiencing what would have been normal in the first century. But anyway, I know it's not talked about that. Like, it's not talked like that very often, but it was I good, think it that's was what's happening. In an interesting way to, yeah. to look at that. To think, interesting things to think about. Context is king is all I'm saying. Context matters. Yeah. The rest of 1 Corinthians 11 really matters. <laughs> you mean all the parts before and after Bible verses are also included? It's helpful. <laughs> it's helpful to read the whole chapter it. is all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so did I answer the question to the little kid? Yeah. Did I get there? Like, how yeah. do we put this in a way that parents can actually say, here's the... Well, and I, I think you did. And I think probably just even helping with some parental framework for thinking about it, you yeah. know, thinking about that. Yes. You know, if you're three or four year olds is really like professing Christ as their savior, that's, 
it's for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if your five-year-old is still questioning if God is real, then probably not for him yet. Right. If your 25-year-old right. is still wondering that, it's not for them. Right. Like this is, it is an exclusive meal. It's the one part of the service. Like we want non-believers with us 95% of the way, right? Yeah. This is the 5% you don't get to, sorry. This is, yeah. you get to be here, get to see it. We're not going to hide it from you. This isn't some ritual where we kick you out and then you wonder what are they doing in there. Right. We're going to do it right in front of you. You're, you're going to see this just, communal activity. Just don't partake. You can't partake yeah. because it's for the people of God. And, uh, and that's, you know, so when little Johnny or little Jane is like, why can't I have that? Well, what does it mean? Yeah, that's and that's a good way to to just ask them that question. And if they can't answer, it's answer okay. Is. They're probably just not ready yet. And that's okay. That's fine. Keep doing the work of raising them up in the faith, telling them the Bible stories, telling them about Jesus regularly. Help your little ones fall in love with Jesus, and now they can have the sacrament. That's the that's the goal. Um, and so yeah, that it's a uh, it's challenging because this is the one part of the service where our little ones get skipped. Um, if they're not professing faith mm -hmm. yet. And so, yeah, it'll lead to this question. You're going to get asked, if you have the right understanding of the sacrament, you're going to get asked, why can't I have that? Use that as an opportunity to have the conversation. And to keep, you know, weekly or monthly having the conversation. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Um, did we cover it all? I think so. Did we get it? I think yeah. so. I can't think of anything we missed. Senor Jeff, are we good? Yeah, I got a thumbs up from Jeff. He's happy <laughs> with it. All right. Well, thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, we're going to be talking about church more next week, and we're coming close to the end of the season, man. Unbelievable. Crazy. I mean, it's it's been super short for me because I skipped half of it. Because <laughs> you were absent. You know, I was absent. But um, yeah, this has been, uh, what are we, season 11 still? Season did I, 11. Am I still in the right season? Yeah. I did, we didn't skip a whole season while I was gone, did we? Yeah. All right. This is season 11, episode 8. Nine. Nine? No, you got that wrong. This is 8. No. Nine. I no? think it's nine. Oh, man. I'm all backwards. The last one ever. <coughs> what? What just happened? <laughs> I'm Jeff. so upset with... I'm so upset. Man. <laughs> the last one I recorded, I labeled eight. You did? So. All right. He's in charge. So then this is episode nine. We finish the season next week? What? what? Wow. We should have a plan for the following season, shouldn't we? I have a plan. Oh, you do? I do. We'll talk this about it. This is Jess's podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, she captains you, the ship now. You I'm got just here. absent, and I took over the Google you Doc and messed it all up. The Google Doc does look like a grenade went off <laughs> yeah. in it. It's it's uh, unintelligible, but we'll get we'll That's figure it out. Because it's words and grenade. not numbers. If it was numbers, I'd be great. Uh, yeah. So you should. You're saying that if if our schedule was in an Excel form. I would be, be much better. Okay. All right. Well, that's never going to happen because I wouldn't be able to read it. Exactly. This has been Season 11, <laughs> Episode 9. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DiMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci, Jeff DiMatti, and Tracy Johnson. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week. <laughs>